Welcome to The Catalyst, where we explore creative ideas to spark innovation in an unhealthy healthcare system. I'm your host, Dr. Lara Salyer, a physician and mom of three who is reimagining the way I practice medicine after suffering and overcoming burnout. Join me as I teach you how to optimize flow and catalyze your own revolution in healing. Tune in for candid conversations with leading experts in conventional and holistic healthcare who dare to believe a better future is possible for all of us. Life is made of teeny catalytic moments of immense impact. When strung together, the transformation is magical. Join us and let's color outside the lines. On this episode of the Catalyst Podcast, I'm interviewing Dr. Heather Fork. She's a former dermatologist and founder of The Doctor's Crossing, a company that offers career coaching for physicians at the White Coat Crossroads. She is an ICF Master Certified Coach, and she helps physicians find greater happiness and fulfillment in their careers, both in clinical practice and non-clinical positions. She hosts the popular Doctor's Crossing Carpe Diem podcast, and she's very passionate about making the career transformation process doable, fun, and accessible to as many physicians as possible. This is a heartfelt interview. She's sort of like a blend of your best friend next door meets therapist meets coach. And what I love about her method is she encourages this self-excavation process that holds space for big feelings. And she asks some of the best questions. So if you listen to this episode, you will not be disappointed. You're going to walk away with some personal actionable ways to just interview your own soul. So enjoy this interview with Dr. Heather Fork. Dr. Heather Fork, I'm so excited to talk with you. This is a full circle moment for me personally, because I affectionately call you my skydiving buddy. And we will talk more about why that is. But first, I just want to say thank you for coming on the Catalyst podcast. Oh my gosh. Like, yes, you are my <laughs> skydiving buddy. And I'm happy to be skydiving here with you. I am honored. Laura, you did such a fantastic job with your transition and your transformation. And I think you met with me once or twice. Seriously. You, <laughs> you were you were the much. catalyst. You were, yes, you you were, were. already like running with <laughs> right running full steam ahead. That is true. And as you know, being a physician coach, you know, clients are all along a different, you know, readiness of change. And some, you know, just need more baking time. I think you came right at that right time for me. And I just sort of was already halfway out of the cocoon and ready to go. And so just to give a little intro to my my friend and colleague Heather Fork. She runs Doctors Crossing, which is an excellent resource for those that are wondering about their next chapter. And as I was in my own office, struggling with my self identity of being burned out, not knowing what to do next, not knowing if I even wanted to stay in medicine. There's a lot of question marks and we don't like question marks in medicine. It's unsettling. And so you need to find somebody to help you with that, to hold that space, to be that, that person that can help you reframe your thoughts and untangle those emotions. So as I was Googling, I'll never forget, besides Googling things like, can I be a cake decorator? Can I do, you know, all these other things. 
I was thinking second career for physician and your website was the top. And I thought doctors crossing, that sounds amazing. And it did not take long. I read your content immediately connected and you have helped so many people. So would you mind sharing your own little catalyst moment, how you went from dermatologist to physician coach? Well, it's not as interesting as your story about the leggings and the memo from your office that you were chastised about wearing. Uh, So I don't have a funny story like that to tell. But if I think back in time when I was beginning to wake up to my reality, it was about halfway through my time being a dermatologist. I was in, I had my own practice for nine years out of residency and it was about the four and a half year mark. And I remember I was in my bedroom and I asked this question, are you happy? And I don't even know what prompted me to ask that question, but the answer was a resounding and rather discomforting, (laughs) no, no, I'm not. And then it was that whole process of, well, now you have to look at it. Because I think we don't ask that question because we really know the answer and we know it's going to mean we're going to have to do something about it. Oh my goodness, Heather, that's brilliant. You're right. It's scary to look at that answer because it hits you in the gut and then what, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you use that as, a, as a, a jumping off point for yourself, which is why we're such good skydiving buddies. Because sometimes you have to grow your wings on the way down or in that case, hopefully have a parachute. Um, so when you were making this transition, talk to me more about how you sat with those moments at first when you knew you weren't happy. Well, it's a bit more complicated as stories always are, but during that time, there was a lot going on and I was in the process of buying this building because I was renting for my practice, buying this big building and having it, I was talking to architects to renovate it. We didn't have the plumbing for medical. It was going to be very expensive. And it was that situation, I think, perhaps when you're in a bad marriage and you think, oh, now's the time to have a baby or to <laughs> buy a, you know, build a house. And right. so I, I really, I think I already was unhappy, but I wasn't admitting it. So I was thinking of this, when I have a beautiful office mm-hmm. and I love the decor, somehow that's going to make it all better. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think a lot yes, of us will yes. do that. We will definitely mm-hmm. search out a little bit of retail therapy. Maybe it's the this next vacation. Maybe it's this next, you know, job move, you know, and sometimes I think we do that. Like you said, and you, you touched on that so perfectly. It is a relationship. I think this is why medical careers are so different is we're signing on for a relationship that for many of us began when we were in grade school and to actually admit that maybe it's not working out and maybe it's irreconcilable differences and we might need to move on is heartbreaking. There's a grief that goes with that. Um, and what I love is you help people through that and you help them listen to themselves. Tell me more about that. Okay. So, so just to wrap up that story to just a quick, like what actually happened was lots of things were going on. I was in a difficult relationship and things were stressful at the office. But what I realized after I myself back from deciding that I needed to quit because I I actually decided to sell that building, which was fortunate. And then I thought I wanted to leave, but someone talked me off the ledge (laughs) and I decided, well, let me really try to improve everything that I can change and then see how I feel. Don't, you know, jump out of the fire into the frying pan and make a decision when you're unhappy 
So I ended up renting a new space, renovating that. It was just a rental. But I, I changed what I was doing in practice. I added on services like that were interesting to me. And four and a half years later, things were much better, but I was still not happy with what I was doing. And it couldn't get any better. It was as sweet as a piece of candy can get, you know? I love but that. I decided that's not the candy that, you know, I want to be, um, yeah, <laughs> right? It's, yes, it's not my candy. So that's when I decided to leave and I sold the practice. Wow. Mm-hmm. I yeah. want to sit and, and process that for a moment because you have two great nuggets of advice right in there. Not leaping from that frying pan into the fire. I, I agree. When we're in pain and we're not feeling happy, we want quick results. We don't want to be in pain anymore. We want to make fast decisions and sometimes impulsive. And you were very thoughtful and intentional. And I love what you said about improving what I can change which is another piece of the, the whole flow recipe flow, you know, when we're feeling in the zone and feeling embodied and happy and have well-being, there's a lot of this feedback and autonomy and agency. And as providers, sometimes there's not so much autonomy anymore, but you looked at it and specifically were a detective. What can I change? What can I control? What can I improve? And I like that you didn't make decisions right away. You said, let me try this and see how I feel again in a year, in a two years, et cetera. And I love that you also said, I try not to make decisions when I'm unhappy. I think that's also good. And maybe that's not paraphrasing it right, but I just like that you warned yourself and you probably warned other clients that making decisions when you're in that pit of despair, when you're feeling like the world, it's like chicken little syndrome, everything's awful. Um, I find journaling helps me. How do you help your clients? Do you recommend that they journal or do they have little dates with themselves to revisit topics? Well, those are all really great points. And I think of it as, you know, making decisions from a place of strength or making decisions from a place of trust in yourself and confidence rather than fear-based decisions. So with a lot of my clients, we're looking at what are the fears, as you know so well, we all have them, and they're what cause us to either stay stuck or make bad decisions, or ones that don't really serve us. So it's really, whether it's journaling, whether it's um, having someone help you talk through the fears and say, okay, let's play this out. What are you imagining could happen? What If we flip the script, what's the possibility rather than the problem? So it's really finding ways to shift as shift your mindset as, as trite as that sounds we're always talking about mindset but it's basic stuff it's either we're in fear and the ego's talking to us or we're in yes. trust and it's coming from a place of our heart of of truth and love really yes oh my goodness this is so true and i remember now you're you're making me recall our sessions. They were, yes, only two, but super impactful um, because you really made me think about the core values and make me recognize that they had shifted, that in, in the time that I needed, my career was awesome. I needed stability. I needed predictability. I had young children, but as I grew older, I needed more novelty and more excitement and more creativity. And you helped me connect that and say, you know, that this is something that you're noticing. And that when you when you make those decisions from that lens of focus, of clarity, it's so much easier to take away those fearful thoughts because when you're excited about your next steps, it's much easier to take those next steps, right? 
<laughs> yes. And, you know, so I was looking in the mirror because I can see you. The listeners can't see you, but you are such a creative type. You have this beautiful, like, teal turquoise hair with these this intergalactic peacock behind you on the wall. And <laughs> you're just a creator. You're a creator. So there's no way you're going to be kept in a box. And when you're in a box, you can't read the label on the outside. So you had to get out of the box. Oh, that's awesome. And wow, you're just so full of awesome metaphors and analogies. I love that. When you're in the box, you can't see the label. You have to get out of the box. It's so true. And what seems like, you know, obvious now was so not then. I remember meeting you at the conference in Austin and being excited to, to meet you. And it's just, it's like neat to see all these different parts of ourselves, you know, that we're finally owning again and reclaiming. And you're doing this for clients and helping them see parts of themselves that may have been dormant. You know, it's, it's gotta be a fulfilling career to be a physician coach. I would imagine. It's the best. I can I can imagine anything I'd rather do. And I was just talking with a physician yesterday and she did her visions. I have them write down a couple of visions of what they'd like to do if they knew they could do anything. And these were so creative and she was so connected to them. And I said, you're a creator and you're an entrepreneur. And she said, I never thought of myself that way, but all the clues were there. You can't hide the true evidence. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And whether we use, um, you know, creator, I love labels and sometimes they can be sticky because we may have definitions of labels that we didn't know were incorrect, but I love that it takes that person outside of themselves like you who can say, wow, look at all these connections. You have all these skill sets that are untapped and are just waiting to be born again. Um, and, and that is what a great coach and a mentor and, you know, even a therapist, any helper. And one of the things you've said is, you know, asking for opinions and for help is wonderful. Um, but to a point when all we do is become an ass coal where you just keep asking and asking and you never do <laughs> oh anything. God. That's hysterical. I've never heard that. Did you just make, did you make that up, Laura? It's something I heard oh a little gosh. bit ago, but I see it often. <laughs> you know, we all have people in our lives that are assholes, you know, and they just keep asking, but then there's no traction. There's no action. And, and we need to watch ourselves. There's times I catch myself. Okay. I've asked a lot of people that are smart for resources. And if they, if I trust them and I'm still indecisive, then it's just time for me to do something. It's not that I need more information. I don't need more uh, things to clutter my brain. Right. And so what you're doing is you're helping people know that they can rely on others, which can be difficult as a physician. It's hard to ask for help, right? It can be hard to say, well, I am suffering, but that's why you're there. You're that liaison, that coach, that accountability partner. That's like, Hey, I, I hear you. I see you. And whether it's a coach, a mentor, a therapist, I've had all three, um, collect all three. They're all great. Um, but people are here on this earth for a reason and everyone has a unique skill set. And I feel like your skills are very gentle, but powerful. I feel like you have a way to talk to people that doesn't feel, um, you know, very aggressive or threatening, but yet there's so much action. It's kind of a nice blend of the, the feminine and masculine energy of, Hey, here's some things you can do, but you're saying it in a gentle way that wakes people up, you know? Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. And I, and I tend to not think of how I come across, <laughs> you know, I don't really know. So thank you for that reflection. But I, I think when I am listening to physicians, which is all the time, I love it. And part of it is that if you listen to the story, 
there's a momentum to it. And if you just ask a few questions that keep getting the person back to what really matters to them, they find their own answers. Because I, I had a call with a, a physician yesterday, the first one, and she'd been pretty upset for a while. And I said, what do you want by the end of the call? And she she said, I'd like, if you can, to help me figure out what I need to do here, you know, with her job and her future and all this stuff. And so, you know, she probably talked 90% at the time, which is what I go for in most cases. And at the end, she had her answer. I said, did I say anything about what you should do? She goes, absolutely not. <laughs> and, you know, that's what I love is those answers are all inside of you. Yes. And I love being able to to walk alongside and just help people feel their feelings and find their truth. It's like mining for gold. The gold is always there. We just have to be willing to to look. Oh, that's beautiful. It is beautiful because there isn't an agenda really with a, with a, a really good coach or mentor or therapist. They don't have an agenda. They don't want you to have a certain outcome. They want you to create that outcome for yourself and sort of manifest that in your own words. It's a little bit of that NLP, you know, where you're watching and listening to what people say can give you those clues. And I love how you phrased it, you know, what, you know, what do you want at the end of this hour or this session? What are some of your other favorite catalytic questions that you might ask, you know, to paint a picture? I love the miracle question. I ask that for my patients. If a miracle happened overnight mm. and you didn't have any of the things you're struggling with, what, what things would, would show that you're in a better health, you know, balance. And that helps me clue into what they're looking for. What are some of your other favorite questions that can spark this, their own Oof. intuition? That is such a great question. I love questions. Yes, me <laughs> and too. I, and I can't take credit for this. I heard it from somebody else, which is when someone something like someone's sort of caught in something, a behavior or something's going on that's not really serving them, to ask what unmet need, what unmet need are you trying to fill with this behavior or by doing this? Ooh, whoa, I'm going to process that. What unmet need are you? Wow, I'm going to need to revisit that one myself too. That's a great, that's a great way to spot self-sabotage, you know, mm -hmm. um, because we all get in our own way. I think a lot of us do. We have our own little ways of just, you know, procrastinating or being an asshole or, you know, all these other ways that we sort of get in our own way. And and what unmet need, it boils down to things that are like, you know, insecurity, right? Or fear, or can you give me an example of how you would, you know, learn from somebody with that question? Sure. So for example, if someone is uh, an achiever, personality type, and they're constantly going for the next promotion or the next big job or this and that, and it, their CVs are really long, and you might say, so so what unmet unmet need um, are you trying to fill? And it's often subconsciously by this continual achievement. And it's, you know, it often comes down to some childhood issues it can be, mm -hmm. such as really seeking approval from a parent, maybe in a, even a parent that's passed and you know, you've, you never really got that a love yeah. that you wanted for just being you. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. It's, it is all about love, isn't it, Heather? 
It, it really is. is. It's simple. It really Love is. and fear. There are two things. Yes, you're right. You're right. And, and if my sister's listening, it is all about trauma. It really is. I mean, we are biological humans that have these histories that come with us that are embossed in our emotional limbic system. So I feel like we may not think we had, you know, childhood expectations, but they could be unspoken and you could be going through life, you know, being an over pleaser or uh, over, you know, caregiver and have a helping profession, like being a doctor and think, well, look at me. I'm, I just want to be the best, the best, the best. And it could be rooted in like great grandpa's, you know, striving to, to be a doctor or to put this legacy in. you never know, you know, all these things. And it can be hard to unravel that, you know? Yes, and it's so powerful, and that's why I always um, have my clients start with a story about what their childhood was like, because you learn so much, and I think there's probably a higher percentage of physicians who've had some dysfunctional childhoods and parents who sort of had issues that fostered in them being a healer, being a caretaker, uh, wanting to financial security when they grew up. And, and that can be for anybody. I'm not saying this is just physicians at all, but I'm astounded by the number of doctors I do talk to who had some significant issues in their childhood. Oh, you are right. Absolutely. I think a lot of, and I just went to the burnout conference in January, which was very dark, but needed, um, learning about the stats of burnout in healthcare. And it is true. I feel that there is this darkness that might be even unspoken where, you know, there's expectations, even in just the subliminal messages that kids can get from parents where they may look down on careers that are more artistic. Oh, I hear that all the time. Yes. You know, my mom and dad never said anything that I couldn't be an artist, but, oh, I, they would make fun of my cousin who, who's a writer or, you know, little, little things were subtle, but powerful, very powerful. Right. And so then, then who wouldn't want to please their, their parents when they're children? and say, I'm going to make you proud and be a Mm -hmm. physician, right? Um, And it is, it's powerful. But I do think, and I'm curious what you are feeling in this shift in the last two years, how the world has shifted. There's a a different lens that I think people are looking at with their jobs. And I think the younger generations are kind of willing to challenge this perception of achievement and saying, maybe my career doesn't have to be the end-all be-all. I'm going to be a 30-year doctor in a small town. I might just do this for a little bit and do something different. Are you noticing that shift? Absolutely. And and it definitely predated COVID, but COVID has amped it up so significantly that people are fed up. They're just tired of sacrificing. Because before, I think when you did sacrifice, there was some appreciation. I'm not saying there isn't appreciation Mm. now, but I hear from everybody that things have changed. Mm -hmm. And so that, I think, kept a lot of doctors going and they had more autonomy. But when you lose the autonomy, you lose a lot of the appreciation, you really, the joy has been sucked out of what you're doing because you never get to spend enough time with your patients. So what is left? I mean, yes. seriously, what, what the paychecks left, but now they know and they're learning they can make as much, if not more, for a lot of them in non-clinical jobs, there's not a lot keeping them staying because they're so disheartened. And that doesn't mean they don't love patients. They just don't get to be the doctor they they fully well intended on being when they started this this slog. Yes, bingo, bingo. And I think that this is really interesting. And a lot of doctors don't realize that 
there are alternative careers, right? And I think that would be a wonder in my magic wand. If I could redesign medical training, I would love that we have a little class in that. Like, hey, did you know that your skills are transferable? And here's some other alternative careers to keep in mind, you know? And you're a big proponent of SEEK, the conference. You've spoken at SEEK before, I believe, right? Yeah, they they have a wonderful program there. I I went there for 10 years as a mentor and spoke a couple different times. And it, it really helps physicians who feel lost to go in. They're surrounded by 300, 400 other yeah. physicians. So that for the first time, they may feel like I'm not the only one. Yes. Would you mind sharing what that experience is like? I've had a few physicians come out of the woodwork and saying, well, I've never heard of this. What is it like to go there? Do you mind giving a little no. intro? Yeah, sure. So it's um, over a weekend. Usually it's in October. It starts on Saturday. There's some pre-conferences that you can go to, but it begins early Saturday morning. And what they do is they run two rooms concurrently after the keynote where you can choose A or B, A or B in there. There's a great uh, variety of the non-clinical options, and you can see what the topics are before you go. Then in another big ballroom, (laughs) there are all these mentors around the periphery where you get to do speed dating and you sign up on their sheets and you have these 15 minute conversations. They have coaches, they have mentors, they have recruiters from different companies uh, representing, you know, their company there. And they even do some interviewing, informal interviewing of physicians. And that's Saturday and Sunday. That is fantastic. And Talk about ideal because they've really smushed it all into a weekend, Mm -hmm. which is perfect for physicians when they're trying to like on the down low sort of explore other ideas, you know, Um, that's amazing. I like the speed dating idea too. Very efficient. Mm -hmm. It is drinking from a fire hydrant. So when you, after you you are exhausted, but you got a wonderful smorgasbord of what your opportunities are. Oh my goodness. Do you find any, any, um, in the, the Dr. Heather Fork, Doctors Crossing uh, business, have you found any um, commonalities? Are you like, hmm, I'm seeing more women go to these non-clinical careers or or men or any any age groups or any kind of patterns that you've noticed? Uh, I, well, the big three that people are interested in the most are pharma, mm-hmm. medical writing, and the health insurance utilization management sector. So those... Mm-hmm still remain very popular. I am seeing more and more younger physicians who are seeking help Mm -hmm. everywhere from medical students to residents to just physicians who are just a year or two out. Wow. That's heartbreaking, but Mm -hmm. also I'm glad they're finding you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would hope that if any of the CEOs, uh, any of the medical school or residency admins are listening, that that's that says a lot when when the medical students are reaching out and they haven't even started their career. And I would assume that your kind of wonderful, gentle uh, coaching is similar. It doesn't matter where they are in their career because it really is looking deep inward um, what they're looking for in their next steps. I, I remember well. I had a, a classmate that made the decision to leave as I'm sure all of us do. You know, we, we know classmates that are deciding it's not right for them. And you'd want to know sooner rather than later. And I think that might be partly what's happening is before, if a student or resident was questioning their path, they were always told, or that's what the story is, it will get better. You know, of course you're unhappy. It's medical school or it's residency. It will get better. 
But now I'm having a fair number of, you know, students or residents tell me when I spoke with my program director or my dean, they were supportive. You know, they really wanted me to make the right decision. So I think there is some change there. That's great. That is good. Good to hear that. Yeah, it's not all about getting the Mm -hmm. tuition dollars, but rather we want to keep and retain, you know, those that are wanting to be here Mm -hmm. and it's a good fit. That's wonderful. You have such great questions. Do you have any more questions that are your favorite that you like to ask? Well, I love flipping the script. Like, for example, I had a client who didn't get a job promotion that she wanted. She was applying for something in her uh, academic institution, and she kept telling me how upset she was and telling me all about it and all about it and everything. And and I, I thought she was going to maybe shoot me or fire me, but I said, why is this the best thing that happened to you? And I was ready. Like, she goes, and then she like burst out laughing. She goes, oh my God, I hated my job. I hated working there. And I said, well, why did you want this job so bad? She just, I just thought I should get it. I thought I was the better candidate, but no, I was miserable there. And it was such a shock to me, but, but often that question of why is this the best thing that happened to you when it's a bad thing, like, People can be offended by that, but when they really know you're coming from a place of helping them, yes. it can be a powerful question. Oh my gosh, that's great. You are just the question wizard. I love it. No, this is you're, good. you're very kind, but no, I learn these from other people. I read them in books. I try them out myself. Yeah, and they work. Boy, the flip the script is definitely one to try on, you know, because um, it does make you look differently into a situation and find that positive. And it can really adjust the attitude and get you out of that, the the wailing wall where you feel like, oh, what was me? You know, my life. Is oh, my hopeless. God. Yes. Right. Yes it, yes. it gives us some space. It gets us out of that negativity. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. And I like your um the way you just seize the day. Carpe diem. You have your own podcast, which I love. Tell me more about your journey. Where are you wanting to be in five to 10 years? I mean, you're helping doctors and clinicians. You have your podcast. Tell me a little bit more about uh, future Heather. That's such a great question. Talk about great interview <laughs> questions. I love that, Laura. Well, I'm really thinking about how can I scale what I do? Because as you know, I really can't accommodate the people who are asking for help. I, I get people in as I can, but I, 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 it's just a drop in the bucket mm-hmm. on the demand. And since I created my resume kit and then the LinkedIn course for physicians, and I'm seeing how helpful that is that physicians can take that all that information I used to teach one-on-one and they have it in their, their living room with chips and, you know, a nice drink next to them. I'm wanting to, my next course, and I haven't told this to anybody, though it may happen, may not, but what I'm thinking of having is something that's around the title of, should I stay or should I go? So of course they can help like work through being at the crossroads to start making uh, that decision, getting more information. And then I can add coaching to that, but I think that could give them a lot that they can do on their own. Oh, that sounds really useful. I like that. It's very clear. And as you and I know, it's not a clear question to answer. It's very difficult, (laughs) but you're giving them those main pillars of information to just think about. And it also is, is smart. I mean, group classes, uh, online courses, it's the way to go to service as many people as we can. I mean, that's how innovative, you know, uh, alternative healthcare is moving in that direction. And 
that's what I love doing, you know, coaching doctors and nurse practitioners and PAs, how to, how to make their own way of, you know, servicing the masses. We can't, we can't deliver one-on-one care in the exam room to every single patient that wants it. It just isn't possible, especially when we're facing a burnout and people are resigning. So we need to be smart. And that's why telemedicine's awesome and why there are platforms that allow recordings of classes. So people can be in their own living room and learn about what does their labs mean? Oh, I didn't know that. Now I have questions for our follow-up visit that'll make our visit even faster and more efficient. And so it's perfect that you're bringing this to coaching and to self-excavation, which is, is so much needed. Oh, I love that term, self-excavation. And sometimes it feels like spelunking too, right? Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Stalactites or stalagmites? I forget which. Right. It's all dank and dark. Right. And <laughs> drippy. Dripping. And, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thank you so much. I want to be mindful of your time. This has gone by so quickly. It has. I absolutely love watching you. And I'm so grateful that you were a part of my journey. You were at the very, very beginning. And I still think of you fondly. Can't wait to go back to Austin and we can hang out again. Um, And I just want to say, if anybody wants to consume Dr. Heather's information, she's got awesome resources on her website, on her podcast. And where can people find you, Heather? Oh, thank you so much. And before I go, I'm going to put in a plug for you. (laughs) Okay. So they can find me at uh, the doctorscrossing.com website and there's freebies there. Definitely go to the freebie tab at the top and you can download guides on all sorts of different things that will be helpful for you, including a starter kit when you are stuck at the crossroads. I'm also on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me there. The podcast is the Doctors Crossing Carpe Diem podcast. It's on my website. You can find it on iTunes and all the other platforms for podcasts. But I do want to say, make sure to save some time to read Dr. Laura Sawyer's great book, Right Brain Rescue. I enjoyed the heck out of your story and it was so helpful. And I think physicians will really feel met by reading your story. I really do. Thank you. It was a joy. It was a joy to write it. It was very much like the quote in the very beginning from one of my favorite um, writers, Anise, Anise Nin, where she says, you you write uh, to taste life twice. And it ah. was a very tough memoir because there's parts that feel like, yeah, I can still remember those days. Um, I mean, there's some hard times in that book and you're such a gifted writer too. It's just enjoyable to read your writing. Oh, well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Maybe I'll have to dream up some more fun things to write. (laughs) Definitely a sequel. Exactly a sequel. Now I got to go out and live some more adventures and we'll see. Thank you again, Dr. Heather. You are doing great things. You are a catalyst in changing so many lives, and I'm so appreciative for you. Oh, you're so welcome, and I'm so proud of you and impressed, and it was such an honor to be skydiving with you and see where it's taken you. You're (laughs) intergalactical. Thank you. Yes, exactly. You're amazing, and thank you again. And to our listeners, thanks for listening to the Catalyst Podcast, and keep coloring outside the lines.